I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! Okay, rolling up the show. One, two, three. Let's go back in history. Welcome to Rose Mortem. It's the finest show. The only show worth quoting on any of your thesis papers. My name is Tom. Uh, I'm Travis. That pause was for lack of mic, because I'm Connor. Get in the mic. Get in the mic, because we don't, we don't have we got- mic. We have three mics here, three microphones, three mics, no Michael. This is a, an improvement from last week. Last yeah. week we did um, Selfridges, which you missed. I know. I, I saw. I heard, I'm bummed I didn't get to hear about this guy. Yeah. Well, you can Wait. go back, but I don't recommend it. All right. I don't. Rem- I don't honestly recommend our show to anyone. How's that sound? <laughs> Yeah, no, except if you're trying to write a research paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. If you need it. Mm-hmm. On any subject. Mm-hmm. Guys, subject, week. Connor, how's your week? Well, the reason I missed Selfridges was because I was sick this past week. Mm. Uh, started with a cold. Uh, stayed there. Just just cold. No COVID, Oof. nothing? No. no. Lizzie had it first, and she tested negative three, two or three times. I tested negative. Both of us were home a couple of days from work. And then on Saturday, the Green Bay Packers uh, proceeded to rip their my soul out of my body by losing Ooh. in very embarrassing fashion. Ooh. And that's the end of sports talk. So, so were you there Ooh, just like yeah. were you there just like sniffling on your couch like with like a big cheese hat on? No, I was laying on the floor of my sister's guest bedroom uh, <laughs> four beers deep. Uh, just staring off into space as various people came into the room and said, are you okay? And I just grumbled, and then they would leave. Uh, the cheese hat was on, though, right? No, no, no. Uh, oh. I was wearing my Reggie White jersey, though. You know what I do like about the Packers cheese hat thing is that if you've ever – have you ever worn one? Yes, of course. I like how – at least the one I had, and I'm, I'm pretty sure my cousin got it from Wisconsin. You just you, like you, cheese. You turned it over, and then oh. you can put your beers and, like, dip and shit in the hat, oh, so and then nice. put it on your you head. You flip it over. There's the, the main head part is just like a, like you could put the chips bowl in there, and then there are three pockets on each corner that can fit either, like, a beer mug perfectly or a, a dipping sauce. Wow. So you just yeah. flip it over, and it's like bowl of chips, guac, salsa, hot nut queso, or you can and you do, just flip like, it right back up on your head. And throw it back on, yeah. Yeah. That's what keeps me interested in sports. It's the food. Yep. Yeah, more that's... hats need places for dips. Yeah, yeah, tartar sauce. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, Tom, Travis, how was your week? Was... Oh no, I, I like that Connor asked you. Oh, uh, my week, man. I've just been a busy little boy. Nothing really report here. I got my Viking jewelry on. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You look like you're ready to go burn down a monastery. Yeah, it's got some runes on here. The runes say. Baby girl, give me shrimp. I love it, dog. Give me that shrimp. I don't shrimp. believe you at all. Yeah, Is it I'm half reading space it. space for that much runage? There's a lot of runage. I have, these are size 15 rings. I got fat fingers, <laughs> so I can fit all that. Finger. That is up there. <laughs> this is a max size, but a they fit. Of, a lot of room for runes. Wait, why do Viking rings have a max size? Uh, 
because in Scandinavia they they finger bind people, like you know oh. the Chinese, yeah. right? It's they, their kink. you know when their little babies come out and they finger bind them. They like those straw hands. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you have rings now. So yeah. that, you got that going for you. What else? That's pretty much it, dude. I just got rings. And I've been ringing around. Not much. Okay. Been a busy boy. Good. Cutting a lot of cosmetic videos. Very nice. Hmm. All right. That's good. My week. It started off with a disappointment, but also a sign from possibly the gods or a god. Uh, whatever you think. I don't know. Bowden. I uh, was waiting on a book to come in for a future roast. I'll say it because I don't believe in secrets anymore. George right. C. Scott. We're going to be doing a, a two-parter on him in the future. And as I waited for this book, uh, anxiously checking my phone nonstop, I could not wait to dive into this biography. Mm -hmm. So when it comes in the mail, you wouldn't be surprised if when I opened it, I find the autobiography of Betty White. Oh, whoa. <laughs> now that bitch just died. There we go. Hot Did you course. order this? You ordered this book before she died? Yeah, like the day before. What? So I think we should roast that geriatric slut in yeah. the future. Yeah, I think dog. it would be a good idea because... This is right. It's a sign from God or gods. Yeah, exactly. And the amount yeah. of stuff you see online about how much everyone likes this woman, I don't believe it. No. She's nah. probably haggard. We, gotta find, we can find some dirt. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to yeah, look we into that. I can't make any promises, but... I'm letting you know she's on my radar. I don't feel the same way as you. I'm not sad she died. She was 99 years old. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. she's dead. She's been a drain on the system for the last 15 years. Okay? Yeah. She's been stealing from Social Security. Right? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. let's get the IRS on her. Yeah. Actually, fuck the IRS. Let's just kill whoever she knows or something like that. <laughs> um, without further ado, though, we should go back in history. That's right. Connor, what are we doing? We are doing Alfred Krupp. All right, that's a strong name. Yes. Well, that a guy that makes coffee? He does not make coffee. Although, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if one of his products was once used in the production of coffee. Oh, because it has a Krupp, Krupp's coffee maker. Yeah. Now, Krupp was a steel man. And mm. if you don't like the military-industrial complex, uh, this is the guy you can blame. He is the father of the military-industrial complex. Uh, the one of the founders of modern Germany as well. Okay. And just an all-around weird dude. I like weirdos. Yeah. I don't like the military that much. Um, well, you're not going to like him then, because he's a weirdo military guy. I'm not going to say... I, I'm, I'm not going to assume that much right off the bat. I'm going to assume that it was different back then. Mm. You know, like, I like old Hollywood. I don't like new Hollywood. That's fair. You know, so I'm... Try to keep an open mind. I think, wait, so we're talking olden times. We're talking about like bayonets and shit, right? They we're talking about sabers. We're talking about basically metal dildos that people hit each other on horses. Well, that's how he started, but he okay. would be right. building cannon by the end of his life. Nice. So there's only one logical starting point. We're going to do some background before we get to who Alfred is because you got to set the stage. And the only place I could think of to start is the Carboniferous period of the Paleozoic era, roughly 300 to 360 million years ago. That's Whoa! where we start our story. 
Because during that period, there were huge amounts of organic matter that did not decompose because there were no organisms that existed that could process the decay of wood and other plants. What did that lead to? Oil. Coal. Oh, I, all right. Never and mind. oil, but coal wait, for this story. Wait, you roasting like <laughs> rocks and shit on this show? You roasting like fire rocks? We're starting what with are you fire doing rocks. here? This is a Pokemon episode. Because it was those coal deposits that were, were created all those millions of years ago that created the coal seam that runs along northern Europe from England across into the low countries and into the Ruhr Valley of Germany, which is where our story will take place. I like that term, the coal seam. Yeah, uh, it sounds dirty. Yeah. Now, like coal, <laughs> coal yeah, is very dirty. dirty. We're going to talk a lot about how dirty coal gets and how no one wants to be around dirty coal. It's just gross, sooty, gets everywhere. Yeah, stains your clothes. Too many racists around it. Yeah. A lot of blackface. Too easy to do. Yeah. So, who are the Krups? Well, the Krups are an ancient family. Our first recording history of them is in the 1600s in the city of Essen. And Essen is where they will stay throughout the next 400 years of the family's dynasty legacy, I guess. Isn't Essen uh, eat? Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like has eaten. <laughs> that be- I, yeah. I did not look up the name of what Essen is, the etymology. I took a little German, and I know I, th- I, I know Essen is something related to eating or have eaten. Well, when I went to Berlin, I essen some really good chicken at a s- restaurant. No surprise. <laughs> well, we know that the first Krupp definitely liked to eat because all German uh, wealthy merchants at the time, which is what this first Krupp was, we wouldn't know who he was if he wasn't rich. Uh, it wasn't a rich merchant. Uh, all these German uh, merchants loved to eat. That was like the sign that you were wealthy was if you had enough food to eat, you could just get real, real fat. Right. So that was like the goal in life was to be like, I'm rich. I'm going to be fatter than everyone around me. I mean, I can respect that because yeah. it meant something. Now, if you're overweight, it means you have self-control problems. Mm, I don't know. I think it might mean that you're a very successful, smart person that might just uh, have a lot of power and money. You're uh, that you've invented. You're no, biased. No, you- no, Tom, that you've invested in places like Taco Bell in McDonald's, you're investing in the company when you consume their products. You see how it works? Uh, I don't know. Jeff Bezos is jacked now, so I don't know how much how well this holds up anymore. Well, I'm just saying Jeff Bezos, he just has more money so he can liquefy his McDonald's into syringes and then inject them straight into his body. Ah. I actually do So he believe doesn't have that. to digest them. I, don't, I won't accept your first point. I will debate He's, that, but the second no, part No, because I, I he, he lipos all the fat and he stores it in one of his uh, fulfillment centers. Connor, please just stop Just so us. he can show how fat he is. Connor, right. stop this. We haven't even gotten to Alfred yet. So hold on, because <laughs> okay. Alfred is going to be a rich asshole, and he's going to be gaunt and look like a stick figure that is haunting children's dreams. Like me last year. Yeah, but thinner <laughs> and with white hair, even oh. though you're 30. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So about these early Krups, they were very rich. Essen was an industrial city, but small at the time. Um, we know that they ran like a storefront and had land holdings, and that was where they got their wealth from. In the 1640s, we found out uh, that they sold a few musket barrels. 
Now, this was probably because like the local government administration was like, hey, you can make steel, make us some gun barrels. And they're like, okay. Because that's how arms production used to work. It used to be governments would go find people to build them their weapons. Yeah. Nowadays, companies build weapons and then go around to governments to sell it to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Alfred Krupp is the reason that that happened. Really? Oh, oh yeah. he's that dick. He's that guy. Every every single weapon fought with on the American side in the Revolutionary War was a privately open, owned weapon. Yes. There was not a single government, even the cannons. Yeah. And that'll all change once we get to Alfred. But we're not up to Alfred yet. Uh, the Krupp family at one point was probably the most uh, powerful family in all of Essen, once being described as the uncrowned kings of the city. However, uh, they had this tradition where they would always give all of the money and all the estate to the oldest son. That way it would never like split up like generation to generation. Smart. Smart, but if you got a big dummy, it might all go away. You, you know? got to kill your oldest son. Yeah, so you yeah. got to kill your oldest son if he's not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late 18th century, so now we're into the 1700s, uh, the Krupp family matriarch, Helene Emily Krupp, uh, she's kind of the one running the show. Um, I f- think it was because she was the oldest daughter of the previous oldest son, and he didn't have any sons, so he's like, all right, you do it, marry someone, but it'll still be her kind of controlling everything. She's steel lady. Yeah. And she bought, starts buying up ironworks and coal mines in the area. Because this is now when people are like, oh, all that coal that's around Essen, that might be worth something one day. Because we're like in the very early, early stages of the Industrial Revolution. Hmm. Do we Do we know? I mean, so I, like people were burning coal long before that, right? They yeah. used that shit to just heat their houses. Yeah. But, but they, didn't know, they didn't know that if you put it in a contraption, then you could like, you know, make power like that. Yeah. And they... They used it for, like, smelting iron and stuff, but it wasn't refined. We're gonna. Act- I wish I'd learned more about how steel is made, because that's a key part of the story. Well, it's, what, next, we- next week, Connor's going to be roasting steel. Yeah. Reinventing the steel. All right, so Helene uh, kind of sets the stage for this upswing again in the Krupp family fortune. Um, this is now during the time of Napoleon. And she's just a competent lady getting shit done. Her grandson is Friedrich, and he's an idiot. Just a real dummy that doesn't really know what to do. That's kind of all that needs to be said about his smarts. Just kind of stupid. His smarts. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the one in line to inherit all the wealth. And when Helene died, that's exactly what happened. And Friedrich kind of always just like jumping from one quick cash scheme to the next, thinking that it would be like his big break, and it never ever was. He obviously has never heard of crypto. No. He would have probably put all of his money, not into like Dogecoin or Bitcoin or Ethereum, but like some random weird one that he heard of one day and was like, I'll put it all into that. Nice. Yeah. Safe not, moon. Safe moon. This he guy, would have put his nah. house on, in safe moon. <laughs> this guy is definitely in, like investing in like mushroom medicine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it, Paul. This guy was a big Theranos backer, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Friedrich's now uh, in control. Now, around this time, again, during the time of Napoleon, uh, cast steel is basically viewed as like nuclear fission of the time. The people who were actually making steel, it's almost the way the book I was reading almost described it as like a family recipe. 
right. where it's like it's a mix of like yes you know what to put in it but then also kind of just like the feel of it and then like oh the smell and the, the color as it's like smelting and like knowing when to do this it's like my chili no one's gonna be able to make my chili because i know just the right amount of peppers to put yeah. in there i know just the right of of uh salts and sausage meats but then you also know, like, when you're stirring, you know exactly, like, which what kind of bubbles you want. Like, oh, those bubbles yeah. are too big. Let me turn it down a little. I, I like to move on, but quickly, as a note to Travis's chili, no one should want his chili. It's not very what are good. You, it what tastes are you like talking toothpaste. about? I'm gonna, this might, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna this might the best chili in the world. You gotta wait until the steam turns black in the pot. Connor, please move good. on. All right, all right. So, why did the Industrial Revolution start with the English? There's a lot of other reasons. Um, but the fact that they cracked the steel code is a big part of it. British steel, man. Yeah. Judas Priest, brah. Uh, so they figured out the uh, process for producing what's called cast steel, which is like the high quality, this is the shit you want, primo steel. Um, they hold this monopoly for so long that for, at that time, it was just called English steel. So you'd have regular steel and then the high quality English steel. Right? right. We're all following along. Now, Napoleon, while he's fighting everybody in Europe that can fight, he says, I'll offer 4,000 francs if anyone can come up with the formula for producing cast steel. Um, is that a lot of money? At the time, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. For like a steel manufacturer, that'd probably be like two, three years budget or something like that. All right. No. That's a lot of money. Because 4,000 doesn't sound like a lot. Doesn't sound like a lot. It was a lot back then. So like, you know, hey, uh, can you figure out a... You figure out how to, to crack the stock market? I'll yeah. give you a few thousand bucks. <laughs> That's kind of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. Hey, if you can make a backpack nuclear weapon, I'll give you four grand. Yeah. Come How's on over. Sound? You can pick it up anytime. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any enriched uranium? I'll give you uh, some scratchers. Just making sure it's worth <laughs> it. Okay? Napoleon, yeah. Napoleon did it right. He knew how to trade. Uh, so Friedrich, who, again, is going from scheme to scheme, is like, fuck yeah, this is my big break. I'm going to learn how to make cast steel. He knew zero about ironworks and any of that. But he lives in Essen, where there's coal all around. His ma his grandma had bought him a few coal mines that, like, they had just been operating, but, like, you know, laissez-faire kind of thing. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to make cast steel. I'm going to figure it out. He's never going to figure it out. But it becomes his obsession. It's like he's never going to figure out my chili. Yeah. How hard is it to get, like, an English spy or something? Well, at this point, Essen, there is no Germany. Essen is just on the border of France, and they're occupied by the French, so there's no chance that the English are going to, like, they're going to be able to go back and forth with England. Right. I keep forgetting those timelines. Yeah. Uh, so he declares his allegiance to Napoleon um, on the same date that Napoleon's army is being forced to retreat from Moscow. So, oh, good. Not great timing. Uh, he eventually is like digging trenches for the French army during their hasty retreat because they're like, we don't give a shit about steel anymore. We just need men, men on the front. And he gets conscripted <laughs> into that. Uh, doesn't go well. Napoleon overthrown. Friedrich goes back to his shop and he starts producing small quantities of steel. These are not the cast steel quality, um, but it's a step up. And so he opens up a new steelworks in August of 1819. It bankrupts him almost immediately. So he sells the family home and builds a tiny little cottage that's like attached to the factory um, where the whole family moves. That's I love good. what... Yeah. The, I, I feel like we should have more places like that now. Oh, wait, we do. It's called Foxconn. Yeah. 
Right. Well, <laughs> it's really about how tall you're going to make the building. Because then you need to start talking about safety. Safety and nets. Yeah. But yeah, if it's the one nets. complex, then there's no jumpers. Just one you complex. Know, one no floor. jumpers. There were a few problems with this uh, ironworks, though. Um, so obviously back then, it needs to run on a water wheel. This mm -hmm. is before we got like the steam power. And he built it on a stream that either ran dry and the water wheel didn't reach the water, or it was overflow and would break the water wheel. So it really didn't work almost ever. It was in commission oh. for like a week, and then it'd be out of commission for three months, and then it'd be back for two days, <laughs> and then out of commission for a month. Friedrich sounds retarded. He's not a, This guy sounds like he's probably good. He's uh, got a great chili. He's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's retreating into his house. What are you trying to terrified. say about me, Tom? That I couldn't start a steel mill out of my backyard? You might be able to start a war, but yeah. not a steel no. mill. <laughs> oh, jeez. So Friedrich's not doing well. Um, he's a nervous wreck. He has no idea what he's doing. He feel like, he feels like he's destroyed his family dynasty because he's an idiot. Um, and at the age of 37, he becomes bedridden in the family cottage, just like barking out orders, asking for things. And he dies at age 39 in 1826 of dropsy. He died of dropsy. We mentioned oh, it the other week. Just chatting about yeah. dropsy. Yeah. He's just getting all bloated and shit. Yeah. He has that Taco Bell flu. Nancy, do me a favor and cut my skin more. Cut it. See if it'll <laughs> get the pockets. So to That's every, what they used to do back then too. They do the cutting shit. They like they bleed you. That's what I would do. I mean, every time I pop a pimple, it's just a little cut. I wouldn't know? be surprised if he leached himself a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. He probably did a little bit of that. I mean, we're imagine reaching, how. But th this is eighteen twenty six is when he died. Okay, so yeah, that's leech territory. Yeah, he's he's in the leech. Do you think? Trend. Do you think they had public doctor pimple poppers back in the eighteen hundreds? Oh, hear ye, hear ye. Come and see this giant bubonic pimple I will pop in the streets. All you la all you ladies can watch it as I pop it out of this man's back. Get up close. Get some spray. I don't know. Like, they may have had actual problems. You got to remember That's that people right. watch pimple popping videos because there's very little problems now. Uh, it's true. His no, stream's running low. That's his problem. Yeah, that's a, that, and that's that's a, a real problem. problem. My stream's low. So, to everyone, it appeared that the Krupp plan of always giving all the wealth and assets to one person had gone poorly, and that the Krupp family was ruined. That was to all but one. Friedrich's eldest son, by the name of Alfred. Yes, that's our subject, Alfred Krupp, because he would eventually change his name from Alfred to Alfred. He watched his father die, went to the funeral, and all he wanted to do the whole time was get back to the factory and go to work. So, now How we old? arrive at our subject. 14 years old. 14 All, years he's old. He's just like, get me back to the factory. Get me back. I don't give a shit about my dad's funeral. I want to go to the factory and get to work. I don't give a shit about my dad's funeral. I want to play Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to build the steel that powers Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. He's already okay in my book. Yeah. He's a good guy. Well, no, he's not. He's probably well, we're we're talking about military people back then. I mean, I feel like our military is probably fucked because of Fortnite, but, you know. <laughs> I would love if our military operated like Fortnite. Oh, Just you're going to build a castle plane. right here. Jump out of plane, no guns, but with a pickaxe. We're going to just sprinkle weapons yeah. all over the place. Make sure yeah. that your hair is colored a certain way and that you're wearing spandex or something. And do a floss every time you kill an insurgent. God. Yeah. 
And make sure that you acknowledge Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. If you do a good job, we're going to give you new skin. <laughs> Careful now. All right. So That's we don't dangerous. Whoa. whoa. We, yeah, no. <laughs> whoa. I didn't mean it that way. We don't need to go over much of Alfred's life before the time he takes over the Krupp, the Krupp firm. Um, but he was born April 26th, 1812, obviously in Essen. And at 14, he's now the head of the dynasty. He's tall. He's very lanky. And while he was watching his father wither away in a bed for two years, all he was thinking was frustration with the man. He was just like, this fucking piece of shit. Waste well, of space. 12 to 14, that's what you're thinking anyway about yeah, your dad. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. what your hormones are telling your, your hormones are essentially telling you to kill your dad from that age. Um for it's the just, next few it's years. It's just like last 100,000 years of human conditioning has like slightly edged it. Yeah, or, but it's still there. It's still there. Well, like, well, or you fuck. might have be built a little bit differently and you're thinking about becoming rich so you eat more. That's right. my was my route. I was like, hey, guess what? I want to be a rich man. Let me spend all of my wages at Wendy's. <laughs> wages. <laughs> Talking about your wages as an American <laughs> that's 12 years old. Continue, Connor. Yes. All right, so Alfred, as he's called then, we'll get to the point where he's... But I'm just going to call him Alfred. I'll mention when he does switch the name. It's coming soon. Um, he's a man of many contradictions, and he is also maybe the most neurotic man to ever exist. This guy was weird. He, again, is famous for being, like, the greatest German industrialist of the time. His name is, like, synonymous with steel production. He was terrified of fire his whole life. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Petrified of fire, like could, like scared him to death. And he That'd be, again worked in an ironworks factory. That'd be like if I worked in like at like a spider dairy and I had to milk spiders all day because I hate spiders. It'd be like if I became a librarian despite being afraid of books <laughs> or unable to read. Yeah, dude. Or like the page master. Their books can be scary, dude. That one ugly one that Macaulay Culkin hung out with. <laughs> it would be you like on pages there. I was gonna say oh, that is a fun movie. Yeah. It took me a second. I was thinking, I don't know. It's it's like me now, actually in reality. Having no money and being Jewish to an extent. It's but are you uh, afraid of the money? It's not that I just haven't obtained it in steady amounts. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm just not comfortable with my finances now. I need to tack on a couple more of these thousands of shekels. Tommy, I invest in more tiny hats. I don't see you in tiny hats that often, or yeah, paella. Sure. That's a what? soup. Pa yeah, paella is a food. Yeah. Yeah, a tiny hat. I get the yarmulke thing. Yes, you talk about yeah, paella. You, know, you know when they no when they slap paella on their face, the <laughs> little shrimps that hang off of the side of the head. Well, not only are shellfish uh, heathen food, <laughs> or uh, secular this is why food. I don't like religion. This is why I don't like religion. I'm it's, just saying it's worry, confusing. Alfred's an atheist. Tell so. tell us more okay. about Alfred. Smart I like man. him still. Smart right, man. Anyway. Yeah, he can eat bacon. Well, he can we're about eat to get Cameronis. Don't maybe matter. the best part about Alfred. He found all different types of smells intriguing. He believed that smells had, like, character to them. He thought some of them were evil, others were beneficial, and would try to be around the beneficial ones and avoid the evil ones. Um, one of the evil uh, smells that he believed, or evil airs, I guess, is his own breath. He thought his own breath was toxic, 
So he didn't like to stand still for too long while speaking because he thought that he'd be breathing in his own toxic fumes and it would kill him. And he also didn't like to like stay in the same room for too long. So he would constantly like pace around and Ooh. move about because he didn't want to like suck all the oxygen out of a single room. He would not be doing too well in 2022. He couldn't. He couldn't host with masks. No. Oh no. He'd he'd be an anti-masker. He'd be yeah, like, he'd I be can't do man. this. Yeah. I can't do this. And again, this is despite living amongst toxic fumes of a steel and ironworks and coal burning factories. And oh, what it really caused air. trouble with is he never in his whole life got over this phobia. So he was always a terrible at sleeping. He was always an insomniac because if he was asleep, he would suck up all the oxygen. So he would always wake up in a panic like every couple of hours and like run somewhere else and fall asleep somewhere else. And then wake up again <laughs> and then go somewhere else to fall asleep. And then wake up again and go somewhere else to fall asleep. But he didn't even sleep that much because of this. <sighs> Yeah, he could have benefited from like an alcohol problem. No, nah, because he was—he turned it all into work. So he at nights when he wasn't sleeping, he would just like pace around his house, scribbling notes in the dark, and then like go to the factory and leave notes at workstations of the workers. And sometimes it would be like, "Hey, great work on this thing," or "You need to like move this a little to the left," and just like leave little instructions for all of his workers. This is honestly—it re- reminds me a lot. No joke, bad breath included. Of my old boss. And why I'm getting out of the industry I was in. Like, he was like that. He would hit me up at 2.30 in the morning with an email uh, about something we were working on, a production. And I was like, I can't work in production anymore. I don't want to talk to another person like this ever again. Well, there's one more smell that we haven't gotten to yet. And that that was Alfred's favorite smell of all. Farts. You're close. Alfred had one thing that he loved and cherished above all else, so much so that it's going to play an integral part in our in a later chapter of this story. Alfred loved the smell of horse shit. Oh, horse farts! Horse manure <laughs> specifically. He thought that breathing in a good, fresh, heaping dung of horse manure enlivened his brain, made him creative, cleared out the toxins in his body, and allowed him to work like a true man. Why? He thought it was invigorating and virile. Like, like all right, like I, we all know the little shisa jokes and the German things about like, but it's not a joke. No, no, we no. learned in the Martin Luther episode that like the man ate his own shit, and this guy's smelling horse turds. He would <laughs> like, always keep horses why? around the factory just so that they would, <laughs> there was always a fresh supply of horse shit. Sometimes he would have workers like shovel out his stalls and bring the horse shit around piles into the factory so he could like get a good waft on it. Oh yeah. Oh, oh I love this. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah, baby. Breathe it in. I am curious. I am very curious cuz I am always interested in expanding my mind. And uh if he's saying horse manure and he's achieved some of the things we're going to cover. Mhm. Might have to try this at some point in my life. Hit up an apple or two, you know what I'm saying? There's Pay a jockey to come by. <laughs> well, there's a rumor that he did this for the... Uh, either he did it or his son did it for the Kaiser. And the Kaiser is kind of like, yeah, there might be something to this. And like, <laughs> kind of like dabbled in the practice of like smelling horse manure. That's nice. Well, that's how, you get, that's how you get in on it. You first have to do a little dabbling. Maybe you like go out to like one of the stables, give a little whiff. And then all of a sudden you're a full-blown horse poop smeller. 
Yeah. Fuck, got genius ideas now. Yeah. So I haven't had a thought in months, and all of a sudden I went to a to a, a I went to the Belmont, and uh, besides picking up a nasty gambling habit, I became a genius. Yeah. So so along the same lines, more of a, uh, I mean, this isn't even modern. It kind of goes back in time too. But have you seen those people that like? use them and their partner's piss as like a cure-all for everything like they I've use it as that. eye drops and like to oh. floss their teeth with like a water pick and like enemas and it's not like a sexual thing it's like health benefits of using piss in my eye i don't like that yeah it's no like point it. i'm gonna stick to the horse shit yeah please yeah it seems better now yeah. actually so all these bundle of like neurotic quirks quirks um they kind of turned Alfred into a, the perfect industrialist because he was just a workaholic perfectionist to the nth degree. He never okay. slept, so he was always thinking about business. He's always writing off notes in the middle of the night. He's got a boundless energy that will not leave him until like the last two years of his life, so he's always on the move. Kind of crazy, but got the job done. He once, uh, like I said, a very hard worker, once, calling, uh, once saying that the anvil was my desk. Which was he? A, was do you know if he was a hard worker or was he just like somebody that was like doing things and people no, were like oh he, he's a hard worker. He was a hard worker and a like straight up genius. Like he was uh, actually okay. he is who Elon Musk wishes he was. Like okay, I wasn't sure if you if it was kind of like oh yes he's such a hard worker. Look at him work and he's like like the poopy goes here and then we make the steel. <laughs> it's like he would be like he'd be crouched over horse shit in the dark in his room and just would be like drawing out plans for like new steel converters, new ovens, oh, okay. new like expansions. He was a smart he was a really so he was smart doing work. Guy. Yeah. All right. A real smart hmm. unlike his dad. And right. so again, maybe the horse shit helped. Maybe his dad didn't do enough horse shit. Yeah, his dad's like, "PU, I'm going to get fat over here." Yeah. And he's like, "I'm going to be skinny and smell poop." Yeah. Did he figure out that he could get to uh, places faster and do more work by horseback riding? Well, and he loved he loved horseback, so he oh. was always riding horses. There you go. So that's like yeah. basically meals on wheels, right? Or meals on hooves? Yeah, whiffs on hooves. Wi wi yeah, whiffs on. <laughs> What's a thing? I don't know. Can you call a horse a stiff? It would well, be a he, dead well, horse. He rode it. He the biographer about him like said that he was such a rigid guy. That he refused to ever like ride horses where like you kind of go with the horse's gait. He would just sit and stand like sit straight up and just mm. hold the reins. And any horse who like didn't follow his rules like that, he would be like, "I'm not riding this horse. Give me a, a horse that will let me ride it the way I want to." Uh, that's annoying. That's, yeah. that's really annoying. That's <laughs> like someone who just complains all the time when they're playing Mario Kart. Like yeah. someone you can't have fun with. They're yeah. like, "Oh." It's got a shell again. Yeah. How like, does that the game. It's, the game. it's how it works. It's stupid. <laughs> it's for children. So now, well, like I said, when he was 14 when he took over the family's company in 1826. They only had seven employees. They were hundreds of thousands of uh, thalers was the currency in debt, which I can only assume is still a lot of money then. 100,000. 100,000 anything. Unless That's a lot. Yen or uh, yeah, no. one of the other currencies over there um and in just four years because of alfred's hard work the company breaks even in 1830 and this is even better because at this time prussia the leading state in the germanic area because remember still no germany uh has created like a german free trade zone so now there's no tariffs on all the rivers which clears up and opens business awesome and alfred is like right in line to like exploit all that opportunity 
Uh, he's now producing high-quality steel. He has figured out the process. He has gotten through. It didn't really go into how he got the breakthrough. It was kind of something that it seems like a lot of people all at once figured it out, whatever it was, to make the high-quality steel. I mean, And he's one of them. If you put a bunch of smart people on the same task, yeah. and it's like it's obtainable through trial and error they're gonna get hit it around exactly. the same time right you know, i feel like that's ha- that's happened like throughout history it's weird yeah it's, it's like, like I don't independent know. discoveries of the same thing yeah like one of the weird ones where they're always like ancient aliens is like pyramids how like everyone built pyra- it's like well yeah you just make a big triangle yeah but it's like it's str- all they're all like shape. roughly yeah it's all like roughly around the same time that people are building pyramids oh yeah i mean it's like um you're gonna figure out how to contact aliens around the same time if you're like your civilizations yeah. are the same yeah. like age. Right. So of course the Egyptians and the Mayans and the Aztecs are gonna get they're gonna get it. They're, they're gonna, gonna get, get their stuff installed around the same time because that's when they're booking their time with exactly. the aliens. Tom, are you saying that the aliens stopped in England first for some fish and chips, told them how to make steel, and then they're like, All right, maybe we'll go to Essen. There's a weird guy smelling shit over there. No, no, I horse poop. I wanna go hang out with him. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. What I'm saying is that the lizard people have obviously shown up. Yeah. So it's Alfred, not those aren't alien. Okay. He met the lizard person. He got the steel, and now he's tripling the workforce to 21 workers. Staggering. Oh, oh yeah. Um, orders are pouring in from across Germany. Now, what are they doing with all this steel? I keep saying they're just making steel. They're not just like selling ingots. Uh, but sometimes they are. They're doing steel rollers for other factories, for like the mill and textile industries. Right. Uh, and then Alfred's brother, his younger brother Herman, discovered a process to use like their excess steel, like trimmings kind of, to create really high quality tableware in huge quantities. Nice. And that was oh, like okay. a big boon to the company. Because usually before then, uh, high quality steel tableware had to be like carved by hand almost. Because it would be like you'd print out like a rough cut and then it would be finished by hand. And he figured out a way of just creating a mold, basically. A finer cast. If a you're able to cast, make a yeah. finer cast, exactly. it's less work on the hand with filing it down and stuff. That's why this you just... Still he- like, this is still a practice in a lot of yeah. steel today. Like Everything is made in cast. And the, the better the cast, the less work you have to do right. afterwards. Right. Right. So I'm they, just saying, they- this is why you get paper plates. Because once you're done eating your spaghetti, you just throw away the plate. There you go. You don't need to worry about carving your plate out of steel. True. Also, I've been to Germany. I know that these people are hard, and they have a lot of thrust power. And I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we're talking about all these industrial things. I know it's a very Travis thing to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were some kind of sexual aid involved in what the steel was able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Because a German man and a steel fleshlight... Not out of the question. No. Well, yeah, I mean, Scheiße, yeah, yeah. Oh, the steel beam. Wow. Oh, let me tell you, I can melt these steel beams. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is the well, Alfred, that's skipping ahead of the story. <laughs> when Alfred was uh, making cannons eventually, which we'll get to, he referred to them as his children. So maybe he is having sex with the steel to make cannon children. So who knows? Well, remember, he's like not trying to breathe his breath. So he's yeah. waking up every 12 and he's hours. Fr- and he's, he's like afraid of fire. Oh, I'm going to go have sex with the mouth of this gun I've just made. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in the 1830s, company is just kind of cruising along, making uh, high quality steel tableware and other like little gadgets and gizmos and things like that. 
Um, and at this point, they're just like a moderately successful company, which okay. is a huge step up from where they were with his dad. Now, Alfred, his whole life had a really strong desire to visit England. This is because England is the home of good steel. Uh, for him, he desired nothing more than to go to the Midlands of England and see their steelworks. Yeah, I think Sheffield. He's the only I literally wrote Sheffield was his mecca. <laughs> Sheffield Steel. It's uh, they are still even though uh good old what's her face uh Maggie Thatcher closed all those mills. They are uh, mines. They are still proud of their steel up in Sheffield. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. Sheffield Steel. Hey, oh, look at me. Oh, oh. <laughs> England's got to hold on to what they had. Yeah. Okay? Don't get on their case. They had a whole empire that controlled half of the world. And now they're diminished back to being like in these little huts. Yeah, well the okay. last the last one thing they had, Sheffield Steel, Ronald Reagan with tits took away from them. Ugh. Well, you know what? Maybe they didn't deserve it anymore. Continue. So Alfred's in his mid twenties at this point, and like I said, uh company is the firm is kinda rolling right along. He's like, All right, I'm gonna go start traveling try and get some international customers, but most importantly, I want to go to England and learn their secrets. He heads to Paris, has a lot of samples, secures a bunch of new clients. Now they're like starting to become internationally known. Um, and there's an, here we get to another of his weird quirks. He was not, uh, did not take rejection well. And so, like I said, his dad had the retreated to the house and was bedridden for two years. And that was mostly just because he couldn't handle the fact that he had failed. So he just didn't come out of his room. That's right. And that's a tactic that Alfred would practice for the rest of his life. So I got that long COVID, two years. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say that's a tactic that most millennials and Gen Z use on yeah. the regular. So uh, in Paris, one day he couldn't agree to terms with a single client, despite having made like dozens of sales in the days leading up to this. And he couldn't agree to terms. And then he, was, he claimed to be bedridden for the next five days with debilitating pain where he couldn't leave his room. And they drove him mad because he's like, I'm sucking the oxygen out of this room and I can't leave because I'm in so much pain. There, That's just, that is depression, though. That's like actual depression or ma manicism. I think it's, ma it seems more manic in him. What, yeah. I think. What is, bad breath, that has like a, that has like a, isn't that called miasma? Isn't Mi yeah, miasma, mia I think miasma. miasma is just like a bad stench in the air. Oh, yeah. I, I think so. so. Some or it's reason like I thought that was gas a word. Yeah, mm. I, I feel like. That's miasma. Yeah, my asthma. Yeah, miasma. Let's keep saying it. Miasma. miasma. <laughs> so miasma or no? Uh, he's all. This is also the first time he's away from the works for an extended period of time. That's just what the factory area is all called: is the works. Okay. Um, so he's constantly writing letters and scribbling notes back to the factory and being like, "How's everything going? Is this right?" And he's like giving them like minute orders he's like micromanaging from paris by telegram basically well at least he could yeah uh he's like on uh he wrote a note about hiring a watchman um because he was so paranoid about people infiltrating his steel fit mill and like learning all his secrets and this is a quote from one of his letters he goes i suppose we might have a second night watchman to check on the first and then a third to keep his eye on the second but in the end all three would just be asleep together <laughs> 
<laughs> Ooh. I love that. Yeah. He's like, I should hire a second to watch the first and then a third to watch the second, but it won't work. They're all after my steel. It, it, it's funny how like paranoid he is, but he's also right because look at the like look at the Lay's Frito factory. I'm sure there's like 30 security guards there at all times. Yeah. Dude, some of them, when you look at the Lay's potato chips, it says may contain peanuts and shellfish. How does a peanut and shellfish end up in my chip? Because they the don't peanut- have enough people. Yeah, true. We don't have tight enough security to, yeah. to guarantee that there won't be yeah. shrimp there might, in this freedom. The shrimp might have broken through. <laughs> yeah. Also, I got this um, little telegraph cipher if you need to recognize what he said. Oh. Apparently, mushroom means market is unsettled. <laughs> Interesting. I'd actually like to look at that book sometime. Yeah. Now, Alfred had a good reason to be paranoid of people trying to steal business secrets because that's exactly what he was trying to do in England. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> yes. going to He His whole plan to, was, I am going to pretend to be an English nobleman. I like he had like, but he changed his <laughs> name uh, from he like went as Krupp, C-R-U-P instead of K-R-U-P-P. He thought that was enough to change. He also didn't speak English. Oh. He he had like brought a phrase book and he wore like these like really gaudy spurs because he heard that that's what English gentlemen wore. And it was, but like 30 years earlier, it's not right. in fashion anymore. That'd be that's like awesome. showing up and like going to, I'm going to go to a business meeting and you show up at like with one of those 80s power suits on. <laughs> yeah. like it's wearing like, like a Don, like Don it, Johnson Miami Vice suit. Yeah. And like, like it's, it's like a modern business. Where, yeah. It's like a modern business where people are wearing t-shirts and jeans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking San Fran startup. Yeah. You got like the, the white collar, but like the blue striped shirt. Gosh. Yeah. So that's kind of how he showed up in England. And again, his goal, whole goal is corporate espionage. He's adopting this false identity, and he's trying to sneak into factories to learn their secrets. He's constantly discovered almost immediately and just thrown out of the factory. And all of this is made even more ridiculous because there were other German steel manufacturers who would write to their British counterparts and say, hey, can we have a tour of your factory? And the British would say, sure. <sighs> and... <laughs> Most of them knew he was Alfred Krupp. They were like, oh, you're Krupp from Essen, right? And he'd be like, oh, no, 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 nine, nine, nine. <laughs> nine, nine, I'm a sneaky I'm noble. English. Sneaky noble. I'm English, nine, yeah? nine, nine. <laughs> yeah. Looking at his phrase book. Good day, chowder. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's in it? <laughs> lovely, in the- lovely, jubbly hamburger. <laughs> That is a good uh, Lily album, album we heard last week, yeah? <laughs> Do uh, you like Sadels? So, he spends six months in England, uh, does not learn a single thing. All he does is just has a newfound love of the English. His love for the English will never go away. And this is when he changes his name from Alfred to Alfred. He anglicized it, basically. Awesome. Yeah, he's I, like, I, I'm going to want to be an English boy, so call me Alfred. I think he went to a chippy. He had a chippy. He, had, he, he had some mushy chippy. peas. He's like, I love these boys. He's like, this mushy peas so are good. Mushy it's peas, all brown. yeah. Mushy peas are the steel of food, except they're <laughs> soft. Yeah, it's true. Do you have any horse manure just for smelling while I'm eating this, please? Yeah. yeah. Can I can I eat this by the carrot? Yeah. 
Thank can you. I get this to go? Can I eat it can in you, your Uber? Can you spin the carriage so that the horse shit comes into the carriage? <laughs> Possibly in and around my mouth. Yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't eat it. He just wanted to smell it. Well, that's what the author says. We, well, yeah. no, we know we know it was the smell because of a later because of the house. True, but we'll I'll, get to the house. We'll get to the house. I don't want to know the house yet. Don't ruin anything for me. No, no, it's not going to ruin him. But I'm saying, Travis, what I want to say is that if he saw into the smell, there had to have been a point where he definitely, he's, he's given it a touch, a little touch like this, like as I'm touching my microphone, and licked his finger and got. Yeah. No, nah, it doesn't do it. Eh, or not the same. Maybe or, I'll do this. Be doing this maybe, later. Maybe if I'm yeah. like falling, feeling sleepy, I'll do a little lick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, rubbing cocaine on your teeth. Yeah, you it's know? like a bump. You gotta do that bump. Uh, yeah. So then this is a, gotta last. a complete non sequitur that I have because <laughs> it was also very much a non sequitur in the book where the author was like, I just have to inc- include this to describe how weird this dude was. Awesome. It's, he's now, he's back in Germany, um, or back in Essen, because again, no Germany. Um, and it's around his 27th birthday and he's grown ill we don't know if it's just hypochondria or if he's actually sick or if it's breathing in toxic fumes of a steelworks right and he couldn't remember the last time he had taken a shit so he decides to celebrate his birthday by giving himself an enema whoa baby that's a good way to celebrate a birthday i'm just saying we, we know that because he wrote either i think i think this was a letter to his brother that still survives that said quote i celebrate my birthday in my own way Last year with cough medicine, this year with enemas. Wait, he was drinking Scissorp his previous, and now he's getting yeah, his butthole he's also clean? a bit of a hypochondriac, so he <laughs> probably last year was like, I'm sick, let me choke down some Scissorp. Connor, Connor. <laughs> now, he's, now he gave himself an enema because he couldn't remember the last time he took a shit. I'm just going to ask you, what are you charging us for this episode? <laughs> I already got a Guinness, so I think that's what I'll charge. All right, well, All right. I mean, you know, well, I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> So but a lot more than that. Also, this uh, quick book shout out. We were talking about it before we started recording. Arms of Krupp by William Manchester. It's f- uh, 1,500 pages long. It's awesome. It doesn't feel like that as you're reading because it's just like full of these like weird, funny little stories sometimes. Um, yeah, it's good. And it's just very readable. You're just making me feel stupid when I, you say that. <laughs> and the audience, you're probably making them feel pretty stupid. Go to your you owe them a, an Get apology. Arms of Krupp. And read it. We have a uh, we have a big boys audience. And, it's a big book, and, and anyone could be a big boy who listens to this show. All right. So I don't want you to talk down to them. I'm not talking. I'm just saying it's a good book. Apologize. Go check it out. In the arms of a crop. <laughs> so he keeps traveling across Europe in the late 30s, early 1840s, um, securing more contracts for the firm. But most importantly, he's rubbing soldiers with their shoulders with the political elite. Of all the various European states. I was going to say he's rubbing soldiers with his freshly cleaned asshole. He'll be rubbing soldiers soon enough. Okay. Um, So all the silverware patents are keeping them afloat um, because, you know, they're still just like moderately successful. They're not any titans of industry at this point. Right. And they're close enough to Italy to get the forks down there. So people take pictures of them and put them on their wall with the spaghetti. Right on the border of Holland. They're well, like they, northwestern Germany. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I thought they were south, so. No, this is northwest. The biggest thing that happens in the early 1840s for Alfred is in 1843, he makes two musket barrels. No one seemed to notice. No one seemed to care. 
even for Alfred, it was just a hobby that he did in his off time. So when I say he's a genius, like his off day, he's making steel barrels for muskets. Awesome. Uh, then the 1848 revolutions sweep across Europe. Alfred's worried. He's like, I hate these new socialists. They're scaring me. Um, and he believed that industrialists like himself were the rightful successors to the medieval barons and lords that had presided over towns in the past. Not wrong. Yeah. So he is like, oh, oh I'm just saying, I think that the people that smell horse manure should definitely be in charge of everyone. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I should be in charge of everyone. My workers should have a blind fanatic loyalty to me. And in return, and this is kind of where he's, again, a man of contradictions, I will provide them with everything they need. Right. I will provide their schooling. I'll provide their health care. I'll provide them with money to raise you, their children. Right. Do Later, you, you have the, the Hershey's model that we covered, which right. did that. And then now we have the Silicon Valley model where it's, you come work for me. I will give you lots of money. You will be taxed to hell because of mm -hmm. it. But don't worry. In return, I will surveil you 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. So, well, no, also, even before that, too, with our J Jacob Fugger thing, he did that same thing. He built, like, mm. the weird little house and, like, you, you know, you couldn't, like, bring hookers back to it. There was, like, guards and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Who, um, wants to live in a, who wants to want to live in a Ramada Inn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I think if this guy was more into genetics, do you think that he would have made centaur people that he could control? I think if... If he <laughs> thought of it, he would have tried it. Okay. That's what it strikes me like. So, like, if he had a little bit more mangala in him and less. Crops. Yeah, I'm, well, we can. If if we do an episode on the whole family, we'll get to his grandson, who is a good, probably good friends with Joe Mangala. So. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's do. Let's perhaps plan for that. Yeah. That was the Nazis' oh, ultimate is, plan to create centaurs. This has gone without saying, but uh, it's now worth mentioning. Raging anti Semite, but also. Just par for the course for the time. What? So it's like, what's yeah. his time period? 1840s. 1840s. So it's, he's not more anti-Semitic than the guys next to him. He's just a regular old anti-Semite. There was. It's funny too because like there were outspoken anti-Semites during that time, but like when we did the episode on Nietzsche, like yeah. like the opposition to that was fairly strong too. Like mm -hmm. it, it is funny they just talked about it a lot. Like Germany wasn't all raging anti-semites but it was the hot topic of conversation yeah. like people were you know leave him alone or you know he was he was yeah. like leave him alone but he's like don't talk to me don't come near me stop running the banks all right so that's he's, the anti-semite yeah. he is please okay. evolve his, please evolve he's on running. the lighter side of the uh yes terrible yes people. but his grandson uh has was the largest uh owner of forced labor in all of Nazi Germany, amazing, oh. and that's all yeah. it takes. All it takes is just a, the right Wagner. You just hear the right Wagner, <laughs> yeah, and you will be setting up your own camp. Yeah, so watch yeah. it, parents. If your kids start playing the Wagner stuff, uh, careful. All right, so it's the 1840s, and like I said, Alfred had just produced his first two musket barrels made of cast steel. Uh, we still don't know really why he began doing this. Again, the firm's doing okay with their silverware uh, patents. Some say that he did it from patriotic pride. He wanted to arm the Prussian state with his own steel. Others say that he looked at one of his machines and had like a stroke of inspiration and was like, ah, oh, I'm going to make guns out of my steel. Okay. Um, and then others was because uh, there's a theory that a random gun dealer just asked uh, his brother if they if it was possible to make steel weapons, and they were like, oh, we'll, we'll try. Let's see. I think that's probably the most likely. 
and like I said, it was a hobby for Alfred. This was just what he did for fun. He'd go to the factory, have his normal day, he'd come home, he'd sketch out designs for creating cast steel muskets. I mean, that's where a lot of good ideas come from. It's just yeah. you want to do it. Just you know, it. you, you want to make a gun out of steel. Yeah. You know, you want to make- Can I make a gun out of steel? You want to make a pillow that you can call my pillow. <laughs> you want- Yes. You want, you want to. to do these things. You want to make a news agent. It becomes your obsession. Yeah. You lose your mind. Yeah. You yeah. want to sell people cricket powder. <laughs> you want to. <laughs> Dude, so, it's a viable source of protein, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> From you, I'm not surprised. You're totally on board with that. Dude, I'm totally about trying to get larger so I can get richer, dude. If I I'm can give obs- more money to the pro- to cricket people, I mean, that's going to be more investments. That's fair enough. I mean, we'll talk juice. about that after the show because yeah, it's right, really not going. history going. Yeah, I was yeah, making yeah, an analogy, yeah. and I don't want to cut uh, you off. I want to respect Centaur your time. people, centaur people. Please continue. All right. So for Alfred, though, he was kind of like, all right, you know, maybe I'll try and sell them. But for his goal wasn't the musket barrels. These are more proof of concept for him because what I want to make are cannons. I want to build big fucking steel cannon. Nice. Whew. No one cared. Everyone's like, fuck this shit. No, why would we get steel cannons? You're an idiot. And everyone's like, go away. We don't want it. We don't want it. So much so that he's like, all right, I'm just going to build one. I'm going to build a steel cannon and I'm, I'm going to force them to want this. And this is so revolutionary for arms production at the time. This has never happened before. All All before, it had been either a military, like, had their own private, like, ironworks where they would do their own shit, or they would come up with a a military person would come up with a design and be like, hey, who could build this for our country? Alfred is like, I'm going to start building guns, and I'm going to find customers for them. It's like the guy who invented the Segway. No one knew that you wanted to stand upright and cruise around. All but over I'm gonna town. make a, I'm gonna make every historical walking tour a Segway tour. Yeah, I I'm gonna no put idea how I'm much gonna I hated walking. I'm gonna put the fucking duck tour out of business. We're gonna do this city tour on a Segway. Yeah, I want tourists to die. <laughs> I, when I was in Chicago, I did consider doing a Segway tour. What's a good city for it? It's flat. Well, it I, needs to be a flat city because look, I like to I I like to push it a little bit. The city is very violent. Yeah. So if I was to get shot dead on a Segway, that might be fun. <laughs> that people be might, pretty funny. That would yeah. be hilarious. Your dead body just going like randomly in a circle. <laughs> exactly. If I was to die, if I was to die, that would be the moment. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. So like I said, everyone's rejecting him. So he says, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do it myself." He builds his prototype cast steel cannon in 1847. And for the first time, that would be the first of hundreds and hundreds of thousands, a Krupp cannon is delivered to Berlin. It would sit there for two years, unused, not even tested. Jeez. It just kind of <laughs> sat in a hallway. And everyone's like, huh, that's fucking weird. That's not bronze. And would walk right by it. And Alfred's like, well, no, 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 test out my gun. You're going to want to switch all your guns to mine because it's going to be better. He's constantly sending letters to the government. He's like, please just test it. Please just try it out. You haven't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, ga- <laughs> I gave already. you this gun. And this would be a tactic for him um, for the rest of his life is he would just send a prototype to a government and be like, try it out. That- and once he's like established, it was a amazing tactic. And this it started to work here. I'm familiar with this mindset because... I do the heavy hole podcast with Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. 
And we get a lot of that from underground death metal artists where they're like, it's better. It's like, ah. Here's our sample. There's a lot of good stuff that comes in the show. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of it. It's just like, you're just doing the drums. And you're doing guitar. Like, I heard that already. (laughs) (laughs) We don't talk about those on the show, to be fair. That that, that show is a lot less uh, mean-spirited than this one could ever be. Tom, I have heard of drums and guitar, too. I love that joke. (laughs) Ha-ha! Yeah, exactly. It's all a joke. Everything you do is a joke, especially if you're a musician. Get used to it. So, so uh, this gun that he sent to Berlin, no one really gave a shit. Again, this is the Prussian government. Um, that's that's who he's sending it to because Prussia still con- had a controlling area of Essen, even though it wasn't really the same border. Anyway, no, uh, none of the generals wanted it. They're like, this is stupid because we don't need to upgrade our iron or bronze cannon. And the main reason, like I mentioned before, is because bronze cannon was used by Wellington to defeat Napoleon. So if it's good enough for Wellington, again, 50 years ago, it's good enough for us now. Connor, I wish that this was like what our government thought. It's like, oh, we don't need need to invest like, you know, $700 billion into this airplane, this jet that we're never going to use. We got these perfectly good ones. They won World War II. Yeah, and it wasn't just, like, the Prussian government. It was all the governments of the world were like, well, no, bronze cannon's all you need. It defeated Napoleon. I it, guess. I mean, if everyone's doing it. it. it's No, Travis, that's a great point. It would be like if all of the world was still armed with the M1 Garand and the T-34 <laughs> Soviet tank because they're like, well, no, that's what defeated Nazi Germany. Why would it you won. upgrade from that? Yeah. It won. It just fucking works, and man. then And then some fucking asshole in... Essen is like, here's a fucking Apache helicopter. You should use it. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's weird. Why would you I know? need an iPhone? <laughs> what? What? I barely use I my have a telegraph. Yeah. I have a flippy phone. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, can text message all of my friends. Obviously, that spinny thing is going to fall down because I've seen the movie Black Hawk Down. I know that it falls to the ground and people get hurt. I'm not going to yeah. buy that. Well, either way, it works. The only, you know, department in the military really likes to change it up is Space the, Force. Camo, the camo department. Ooh, yeah. They are constantly changing. Always updating. What they think I see. <laughs> you, or don't see. Or Tom, don't see, rather. Yeah. Have you ever seen some of those, uh, this is a little side note, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen it before, Connor, the... The like World War One boat camo. Oh, that they, I love the zigzag have camo. It's so, so fucking cool. cool. <laughs> no, yeah. I never saw that. You should. That's that's something you got to look up. That's yeah, funny. it is All really right. cool. I'm gonna write this down. Zigzag camo. World War is that 1? what? It was, what was the actual name for it? it uh, like, there was like some. It was like some artist that did it. I forgot yeah. the name. And of it was basically like they realized that against the waves and the spray of the sea, having these weird crisscross patterns on the hull. Made it impossible to see from a like um, periscope of a U boat. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, it, it like broke effective. up. Yeah, like broke up the straight lines. Yeah. Like or even something. though, even if they knew a ship was there, they wouldn't be able to tell like direction or how big it was. So right. They'd, they'd be, be able to check it out on radar, but not. Yeah. So it'd be more inaccurate. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So Alfred's like, all right, I got to drum up business somehow, and even though cannons aren't selling, that's what. This is where it's like starts where it's like he's got a successful business and we're going to get into like the really successful part of his business, which again, isn't canon at first, but it's like he's always had this weird obsession with them and it's going to stick with him for the rest of his life. In 1851, he sees his chance for a big score. England is hosting an international exhibition at the Crystal Palace in London 
and they're inviting all the industrialists across the world to come show off their goods. So uh, across Europe, one of the competitions, it was an informal competition, was who can create the world's largest cast steel ingot? That, that's an ingot's just a brick. An ingot is a brick <laughs> yeah. of steel. The idea is that um, to create a solid piece of steel ingot of like a m- massive size, you would need incredible coordination, and you'd have to like pour all the crucibles at the exact right time, and they'd all have to be the exact same temperature in order to form this one massive piece. So it is a feat of engineering, but for no purpose. Right, Alfred. Huh. Like, uh, even if they just made a chair. Like, a who chair can make, would be more who purposeful. Who can make the biggest steel chair? <laughs> yeah, no, instead they're like, who can make the biggest single piece of steel? All right. Who uh, can make one, the most rotund butt pug? Yeah, one firm Careful. came up with a 2,500-pound steel casting. It. Everyone's like, wow, that's the biggest we're ever going to get. That's crazy. Alfred's like, fuck you. Hold my horse manure. <laughs> <laughs> the crew, uh, so the... This is, uh, they'll think, uh, the Krupp, Krupp workers were always called Kruppianier. That was like the name for the Krupp workers. Now he's up to like a couple hundred from the seven that he started with. Okay. Uh, they pour 98 crucibles of molten steel without a hitch. What the result? A 4,300 pound steel cast ingot. How they move Massive. that thing? Everyone was like, wow, that's the coolest thing we've ever seen. Krupp gets a gold medal from the exhibition. All of his fellow professionals recognize that this is the steel guy now. This is when Krupp kind of surpasses England. Is he like? Krupp's- is he like? Oh, thanks for the gold medal. I mean, I'd yeah, much rather like gold a steel medal. medal. I yeah, mean, gold yeah, is a great. Was a little pissed off. Gold is a, is a great trade-off. conductor, but we don't even know that yet. <laughs> we don't even know what lights are. We're all operating in the dark here. Well, he loved to operate in the dark. He loved little scribbling his little notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like breathing not his breath. Horse manure is also very flammable. You can use it as like a starter for a campfire. Yeah. Is it? Really? Well, it's not very flammable, but you can use it as like kindling. So it's just well, basically hay. Honestly, it's not the worst thing because they're not carnivores. Carnivore sh- shit is worse. Yeah. yeah, my cat's shit smells really bad. He just took a duty in the corner. It's just nightmare poop. Mm. In the, anyway, in, yeah. All right. So Ingot's a big hit. All the fellow professionals are like, all right, Krupp's, Kruppstahl is what the name for Krupp steel is. Is like, all right, they're like, this is might be the best quality steel. He's he's on to something. This guy's real smart. If you read the press coverage of it, though, you would never hear about the. Well, you probably hear one or two things about the big Ingot, but the public, their imagination was captured by something else that Alfred had brought. He had brought along with him the prototype six-pound gun that he had sent to Berlin and then took back and now had brought and displayed at the exhibition. Now, a six-pound gun does not mean the gun is six pounds. It means the shell that it fires is six pounds. The gun itself is probably like 1,200 pounds or something like that. Again, all cast steel, so like polished to a sheen. It's on an oak or no, uh, what, what was it on? An ashen wood frame. And it was also on wheels. And he, like I said, Tom, to you, he brought uh, six steel breastplates to show off to the cavalry. Right. So and wait, whole... he, he basically like backseed Berlin. He's like, if you guys aren't going to use it, I'm going to bring it to the show. Yeah. And they were like, well, yeah, we're not going to use it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay. <laughs> it's fine. We're never this... gonna... Hey, we're Berlin. We're never going to see war again. You yeah. see how we pulled this shit off? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Is this what they call modern art? <laughs> so, uh, the whole public, their, their imagination was captured by the gun. And just to show how far we've come since this moment, the American delegations all brought, like, agricultural equipment. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And nowadays, it's like, we would bring the steel gun. Things just change, man. Uh, yeah, the Americans brought like a big, nice plow. And we're like, look at our plow. Okay, <laughs> hold on a second. That mindset makes sense because this is like America is still undergoing like this weird Western expansion. Right. Yes, it's still, yes, we've been everywhere at this point, but we have so much land. Yeah. Like the culture. The culture is all about farming. Yeah, exactly. It's There's so much area, so much land to till. We don't need no steel cannon to kill engines. We, we yeah. need a steel plow to carve to up Oklahoma soil. Yeah, to run over them engine babies before they born out of them eggs. <laughs> Dig up the burial grounds. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we need sense. steel buoy knives to carve all these bison we got killed out here. Wait, but you're talking this about- This is where they showed the first Carhartt jacket. <laughs> but you're talking about America bringing like plows. Like, what did Br Russia bring? Like, this is Boris, the best mule in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> he can say five words in Russian. Suka. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, it does make teach sense, him though. Like, you know, America at this time had so much growing. Right. That it only makes sense that they were getting into the agriculture. I mean, America's the ultimate grower. I'm just putting it out there. No one America thought America has been showing. Excuse me. America's no, no, been no, no, a wreck no. for several decades. No, now. but um, hey, I, I'm I'm just saying that it's a grower because no one no one saw it coming. They're like, well, it's a tiny little boy. They're oh, never gonna be as big yeah, as as England and whoa, they got hard. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, that's a big one. You know, it's so funny. China is like there and they're like they're showing but we don't believe it. Yeah, they're showing, but we're like, yeah. Like we're How much bigger is it going to get? Yeah. So, it's yeah China, it's, China's it's like, promising, but I'm also far away. Yeah. And when I get closer, it's going to be small. I know. China's like, we kind of like invented like paper and like everything that you guys use. So like, it's not really any different than the rest of history. And we're like, shut up, you dumb bitches. <laughs> we're a these... grower. We like Japan, not you. <laughs> yeah. Japan's Dude. cool. They got their own steel, which is garbage, but they sell to us. Have yeah. you ever seen a Chinese hentai don't exist? How am I going to get in my Gundam and look at big anime titties if you blow up Japan? Yeah, leave Japan alone. I don't care that they've been the aggressor for several centuries. <laughs> yeah. They've done nothing I, wrong. They've yeah. given us titties. I, I, I know that they're, they've been dicks, but they draw big They've made dicks. their redemption. They did their time. <laughs> They did their time. They showed us the tits that we wanted. What did you guys do? You wore overalls and shit. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the Confucius. Continue, Connor. All right, Who cares? So back to the Crystal Palace. That. The Crystal Palace Expo taught Alfred two things. One, there's a future in arms manufacturing, especially if you sell it directly to the public. And two, expos are going to be a great way to drum up future sales. All right, so one person we haven't mentioned in the story, mostly because of time constraints, is Alfred's mother, and we're going to mention her here to mention that she died, and she <laughs> kind of was taking care of Alfred this whole time. Okay. Not Well, right, she was, she was a businesswoman. No, that was his grandma. Oh, um, that was his grandma. But his okay. mom was just like a big figure in his life, and he was a mama boy. 
Like she okay. basically made him his meals, made sure he ate, made sure he was drinking his juices, that type of thing. And so when she died, his like personal life kind of became unmoored. So he was like, all right, I need a wife to do what my mom did. <laughs> I need a mommy wife. Yeah. 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 I need a trad dad. So he's he's been looking around for suitors during this time. Um, that's kind of been in the background of his life as we've been talking about like the Crystal Palace Expo and all that. It's a I wonder what his England. I wonder what his I wonder what his Tinder profile would look like. Uh, hobbies include sniffing horse manure <laughs> and making hard things. Likes. Would you like to get Horseshit. hard, ladies? Dislikes fire. <laughs> ladies, yeah. would you like a man that gets hard yeah, as I, steel? How about this? I make hard for a living. You ever think like that? Maybe, maybe you like me up every two hours at night because you breath so bad yeah. that I need to fuck it out of you. J.K., I'm just moving to we a go, hammock. I we built. go to a different bed every night. Yeah, like every that guy. Hour, actually, every hour I will bed like, you somewhere else. Like that guy on Tinder that holds up like the fishy cod. He's just holding up some like steel, like yeah. a little steel, that, steel curious. like a melting, like a out, molten bra. ball of steel. You know, there's a picture of him on the cannon. Oh, this guy. Like, oh, straight yeah. out of uh, strange love. Yeah, but it's like he's like, pretending to jerk off his dick, yeah. but it's the cannon, yeah. Uh, so oh, he's... I'm a big boy. Hard big boy, yeah. <laughs> Hard big boy. I wish we had a recording of his voice, because if you look at a picture of him, pull up a picture of him. We haven't... Just, sure. Because he's... Yeah, I want to look at him. He's a fucking weird-looking guy. Because <laughs> he's a gaunt figure. He's got, like, scraggly white uh, hair. Whoa. His hair had gone white when he was like in his thirties, because of the stress or the horse shit. Who knows? <laughs> oh, jeez, this guy looks like this guy looks like like a ghost. Like, <laughs> he, like that's why I said he looks like someone that is haunting children nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, big boy. I have big hard steel. Yeah, and just like he's got that that weird little chin and the big beard. <laughs> he looks like okay. Hold on. Hold on. He looks like, um, so Ralphie beats up Ralph Fergus, okay? And Ralph Fergus grows up and reflects upon this moment too much in his life. The Christmas story. That's what he looks like. He looks like Ralph Fergus at 60. <laughs> Look at those eyes. He had yellow eyes. Now he has dead eyes. Yeah. Because it's been overtaken by horse manure. Yeah. It's just all, all that ammonia. Yeah. Sitting no, into his brain. Definitely haunting. Uh, a kind of guy who's experienced, but you also learn nothing from talking to him. Yeah, because all all of his weird genius is just his own. Like right. it's no one can share in that. How dare you describe your life to me? Well, I could see like his Christian esque uh, drawings of centaurs and things that he keeps in his room. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be fun too. If he was like a, if he was the Christian of C.S. Lewis works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's my book. It's uh, the uh, uh, it, it's the lion from Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. It's, it's but, it's, but it's also a wardrobe. <laughs> um, so when he's in his uh, early forties, like I said, he's, now he's like looking for a wife, looking for uh, a mommy wife, and he's in Cologne securing a contract. Cologne. Agrippina, yes. shout out. There we go. Shout out to that back. episode. Shout out uh, Agrippina. Uh, Agrippina contract. He is stopped in a theater, and he's literally like walking past a theater, and then stops when he sees this woman, and he is like, "I simply must have her. She's beautiful. I want her. I love her." How old was she? Uh, like twenty. Okay, so it's fine. Legal and still a little weird, but not 
as creepy as we've done in the Wait, past. Wait, how old is he? Yeah. He's like 40, I think. Maybe like right. late 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. And she's 20 or 21. Who cares? Yeah. Um, she doesn't have a future anyway. He courts her for a month. He's basically like, come on, don't you want to marry me? He actually has one really sweet line. This is his opening line to her. He goes, where I supposed I had nothing but a piece of cast steel, I had a heart. <sighs> Oh, he's like kind of like, oh, Tim you're man. 14 and you're talking to a girl for the first time. Like, damn. That's, that's like, uh, yo, that pussy be popping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, young. I think, I think the, I think, hey, girl, I think this is what we're about. Hey, girl, you want something that's hard as steel? It's my wiener. You want my, my cannon? Old cannon? You want my cannon? <laughs> I've actually been experimenting with these things at night. Uh, I don't have a wife. So, what I do is I make dicks out of steel. <laughs> Uh, it's not for me to suck. It's for my future <laughs> wife yeah. to suck. <laughs> so you could have that. So young Bertha Eikhoff finally says yes to a marriage proposal from our friend Alfred Krupp. Romantic. When does she learn about the horse poop? Uh, I was about to say, it is not going to be a happy marriage. Here's the direct <laughs> quote from the from William Manchester in the book. No one could live with such a man. He could barely stand himself. End quote. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, all right, so that had to, the horse manure thing had to come up at some point. Like, was this guy so obsessed that he kept, like, a little snuff box of it or probably, something probably on him? Probably not that you know? obsessed, but he, I mean, also, it's the 1800s, so there are horses everywhere. So That's it's not true. hard to go far without it, especially so like in the, the cities. They go see a play at the theater, and he goes outside, and he's like... <laughs> It's probably I like he sit like, through the entire show, my love. When he first brought her to Essen, is like, here's my house. And she's like, well, one, it's a cottage attached to the factory that your dad died in. And there's horse shit everywhere. And he's like, yeah, yeah and he's also to my house. <laughs> he's also like walking in and out of the room. She has to like follow yeah. him everywhere. <laughs> uh, honey, why do you keep stopping every quarter mile to get a dollar's worth of gas? <laughs> so for her whole life. Uh, for the rest of their her, their lives together, uh, Bertha would do anything in her power to avoid spending time with Alfred. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Good. Honestly, good for her. She yeah. married a really rich dude and was like, "Bye bye. I'm gonna hang out in Nice." <laughs> I I support her. Nice. I yeah. like that. I like that she was honest up front about like. Uh, first of all, you said she took a month. To convince. A month to say yes. Now, yeah. back then, it was a matter of hours. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. That's, yeah. So she dillied and dallied. That is like, that's like being engaged for 35 years now. Yeah. She's an old maid already. It's been a month. Yeah. It's been a yeah. month. Those eggs are dying. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's gone. <laughs> One? <laughs> uh, so... She would either she was either a massive hypochondriac. She actually just might have been a hypochondriac like him, oh. or she was pretending to be a hypochondriac, or she was just like, I can't stand this guy. I'm gonna say I'm sick and go spend the rest of my life in spas in like the Alps or in the Riviera or in southern That's Italy or southern awesome. France. Yeah, That's great. Good, good for good her. For her. Um, yeah, I spend Alfred, all my time at spas at LA Fitness in the sauna. It's yeah, very right. relaxing. Hanging out with other dudes. <laughs> Hanging out with other dudes, That's yeah. Cool, man. Oh, you naked Showing off too. our steel. <laughs> yeah, we talk about steel and shit. It's cool. Uh, so Alfred, for his part, truly loved Bertha. Like, it's not even like, a oh, he's like got this weird like controlling of her. He genuinely was just head over heels in love with this girl. Okay, great. Um, which made the whole fact that she just wanted to have nothing to do with him a little awkward for Alfred and kind of pitiable as we're going to see. Um, 
he tried to build her a beautiful house in Essen. Um, he called it the Garden House, and it was in the style of an Italian villa. It's a very beautiful home. It was built uh, with all these like uh, clear glass windows so that she could look out. He had built in gardens. He put in a bunch of um, greenhouses, like kind of surrounding where the house, like where you would, the living quarters of the house, where he put like peacocks and exotic flowers and all these cool things. It's a must if you're rich. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> home. One problem. It was not next to. It was not attached to the steelworks. It was just next to it. Because Alfred couldn't be far enough from it, and he even put in a crow's nest on the top floor with that had a 360-degree view of Essen so that he could climb up into the crow's nest and stare at his factory to make sure that the fires kept burning through the night. Wow. Right, and I'm also I'm assuming anywhere in this town is probably just smog oh, from all the burning the, of the yeah. Within smelting months, and- all of the animals and all of the plant life <laughs> died because of this... <laughs> soot that was just seeping in and all of the windows were permanently stained black. Uh, lovely. I will treat you to a beautiful yeah. garden My <laughs> love, I'm going to build Essen. a very big house for you in the heart of Essen next to my factory. <laughs> now, I have not been to Italy myself because I, Connor just told me we live far from it. But I what I have is a genuine Italian spirit and when you come into the driveway, it says, when you're here, your family, there are endless breadsticks as soon as you walk into the house. And they use my steel cutlery. Yeah. Take a seat. Have a nice time. We always have seats available at Olive Garden. Yeah. So not only was like the house a disaster, but there was not enough good ventilation. So the soot and the smoke got into the house and destroyed all of her clothes at certain points. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going yeah. nice, bitch. Nice! She's like, I'm fucking out of here. At one point, she was begging him to take him to the opera, and he's like, no, 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 no. I must must watch The Forge and make sure that it still goes. (laughs) And he said... And the hearing the hammer of my forge through the night will be sweeter than any music of any opera in the world. You know, dude, I have done similar tactics with girls who I wanted them to, like, break up with me. Where I've done terrible (laughs) things. this woman. I've done terrible, yeah, like, <laughs> when I didn't want to date them anymore. They'd be like, hi, I got movies, uh, tickets to the movie. And I go, well, look, I have to go to work at 11 a.m. tomorrow, so I don't know if I can go to a 9 p.m. movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would just say terrible things like that. Well, and on top of getting them to hate me, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, so another stereotypical German thing. Wow, we got the Scheiße, we got, uh, what was the other German thing? Steel. Uh, the steel, he hated juice. Yeah, steel. He juice, hated juice, yeah. and now he's into industrial music. The the banging of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> on the floor. I want to fuck you like uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have missionary sex. Dong dong yeah. dong dong. Do do us. <laughs> so we know that we know they had sex at least once, um, because nine months after the wedding, Bertha gives birth to little Friedrich Krupp. Everyone would just call him Fritz. Uh, um, nice. And it was then that she was like, get me the fuck out of Essen. I'm never coming back to this shithole of a city. Smart. Did she, yeah. Smart woman. Did, this is did she, she take Fritzy boy with her? took Fritzy boy with her. And Alfred, for his part, um, he like would, went with them a lot in the beginning stages and was like a very caring father. For all his other faults, he was a family man. You know, he did love his wife. He did love his, child, his kids because I think they have one other child. Your family's um, stupid. Who cares? 
Oh yeah, but yeah. But was the second child actually his kid? Here's, I mean, come on. all in no. She, <laughs> we know she had tons of affairs. Oh okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> right. even better. There are gonna be points in the story where like Alfred loses his mind because some minor thing goes wrong and he flees to her, and then she he kind of just like shows up a neurotic mess into the life that she's created for herself in these places. Right, and so that she's like, "Oh, here's my husband who's like going through a mental breakdown. Here are all my pals. I'm definitely not sleeping with this guy, like that kind of thing." Here's yeah. my one of my good guy friends. His name is uh, Lexington Steele. Yeah. You might have a lot in common. <laughs> You're in the steel industry. <laughs> steel industry. Well, no, yeah, Lexington. Like, well, no, is he a competitor? Yeah. I gotta- <laughs> Lexington Steele and I play Mario Kart together yeah. on Fridays. <laughs> He's a steel dealer. Yeah. He, oh, uh, okay. You should talk. Um, <laughs> he lays pipe. So Alfred, all, he always bought her like hypochondriac thing. He thought she was actually sick this whole time. So of course. Well, he's he, sick his whole time. He came up with an ingenious plan because she would he would write her all these letters. She never would write back. Or if she did, it would be like a, scr- like a scrawled note that's like, I'm not feeling well. Bye. On a receipt at a, like, <laughs> yeah. a bar or something? On a receipt like... at a bar that like, has like a Lexington seal like, yeah. smooch sign on it. Um, Some dude's phone number on the so back. So what Alfred did, and this is probably the most pitiable thing I've ever come across in history is he created form letters where she would either just have to fill in the blank or circle a choice of like four (laughs) options and he gave her like big stacks of these and it was like honey all you gotta do is fill in the blank and sign it and send it back this is amazing yes it's so sad so pathetic (laughs) (laughs) it's so sad what's the point what is the point because he even he even like wrote it all out it would be like dear alfred i am feeling blank today i went to and then like circle one like the gallery the opera (laughs) this thing with fritz and then it was always signed like lovingly your dear wife bertha remember he wrote that like he wrote that out and then she would just have to sign it and send oh. it away no oh, fucking yes. way dude it's so oh. it's so what sad. a sad fucking pile yeah <laughs> oh. so that's that's his personal life oh yeah this guy right. sounds like he's very a very social butterfly <laughs> one of the, one of the <laughs> so like what if this is how he is with his like did he have friends like, did he have friends no, or no? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, his, if he, he thought if people were trying to be his friend... Well, no, he had business friends. So, like, one of the generals in the Prussian military staff, like, always had his back. So that was kind of a friendship. Yeah. He had a friendship with um, his, like, London agent. That was someone he, like, considered friendly with. The guy out in the stable, he's pretty close he's to He's probably too. really good friends with <laughs> the stable. Yeah, yeah. the stable. Knew everyone who worked in the yeah. stable. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah, centaur he people he drew in his room. <laughs> So back to business. Uh, the gun business, still more fantasy than reality for Alfred at this point. Okay. Um, because, like I, I mentioned earlier, that silverware is the start, but what's going to be the big thing that makes the Krupps the Krupps? It's railroads. Of course it's railroads. It's right. the 1800s. It's the age of the railways. <laughs> Endless. Yeah. Endless. Oh, it was yeah. like, back then, that was like the uh, the corn syrup industry. Of oh, today. yeah. You could just keep <laughs> feeding it. Feed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was what... We'll get into the railroads in a second. Sorry. Uh, but he took the gun that was um, at the Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. and he's like, let me try this one more time. I'm going to send it back to Berlin. He, The king of Prussia doesn't give a shit, because the king of Prussia is a like 
literally insane man. It's Bavaria. Point. It's uh, Ludwig the second, right? No, it or maybe it might be. Ludwig. I think it's Ludwig. It's, yeah, we. Covered. It's the guy before Wilhelm the first. So before the first Kaiser, it's the Kaiser's brother. Fuck. Uh, I'm. I, it might. I, no, it's not Ludwig of Bavaria. It. All right. Yeah. It's a. It's a Hohenzollern prince who's mad but whatever oh yeah he's a bavaria i i you know i'm honestly so bad with that shit with the uh the now, prussia this, where, yeah, german prussia territory is, prussia is northeastern yeah. germany yeah ludwig yeah. is out of the picture he's bavaria my bad, he's a chocolate he's, he's a he's a chocolate boy but yeah. go back to that episode by we're gonna do a uh, yeah. one of my favorite i'm gonna read out his full name and ludwig is in there because awesome. while the highest the king himself doesn't care the crown prince Wilhelm Friedrich Ludwig von Hohenzollern sees it and goes, that's awesome. I got to meet the guy who made that. Smart. And this is a big deal. Wilhelm tours the Krupp factories. Uh, this is a big deal. One, because obviously it's the crown prince, the next in line to the throne coming to your factory. And two, Alfred didn't let anyone else into his factory. And so this was like he was kind of scared of... Still scared of corporate espionage when the crown prince came to Taurus. Right. Remember all the, right, the, so, the rhetoric about the security guard yeah, on security exactly. guard? He locked his workers into the factories. Amazing. He was this that is, kind of guy. This is like when, when Joe Rogan got that butane uh, flamethrower from Elon Musk's yeah. boring company. And he was like, this is so fucking cool. You know, oh this God. is the future. This is the future. And then Elon's like, come, I will show you my place. Yeah, come to my factory, man. <laughs> yeah, that's just dumb. So Wilhelm tours the factory. He's like, this is fucking awesome. Good German spirit here. Good German steel being made. I'm going to give you the Order of the Red Eagle fourth class, a distinction mostly reserved for generals who had won distinction on the battlefield. This is, at the moment, Probably Alfred's like crowning achievement. It'll, he'll have more crowning achievements later, but this is like when he's like, "Oh my God, there's a purpose to all of this. There's been a purpose to all of this struggle." Right. All this horse shit in my nostrils is yeah. worth it. And now he's got another expo coming up. This one's going to be in Paris. Once again, they're going to make a big, big steel beam. This one is nearly uh, six thousand pounds, so almost two thousand pounds more than the previous one. Wow. It is so big that it broke through the floor of the exhibition and destroyed the basement levels, nearly killing the judges of the expo. <laughs> Hell I mean, yeah. He wins. He Kill won the expo. Him. Like, Kill he, him. Yeah, he's like, he, so, like, wow, you nearly killed us. That was awesome. I like so, how big your steel so, ingot is. Do you think uh, the letter to his wife was like, hey, I just won this competition in Paris, and it almost killed the judges, and it was like, you think that's cool? Or rad. <laughs> Does that make you happy? Horny. <laughs> Ecstatic. <laughs> oh. And she responded back, uh, please, I'm sick. Yeah. She probably just and, hired some fucking, some wench. Yeah, to do it for Some wench her. to just fill it. If, if I get one of these SAT questions from my husband, would you please fill it out and send it back to me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also, not to be outdone uh, from the previous uh, expo, brought a steel cannon. This time, a 12-pounder. So, Oof. something firing 12-pound shells. Uh, just for reference, like the the cannons you see in like Napoleon and the Civil War, like those classic cannons, those are 8-pounders. Right. So, these are, this is a 12-pounder. It's big boys. Yeah, big boy. Big uh, boy. He demonstrated it this time he didn't just like show it he was like here's a testing range and i'm gonna shoot it and show you how good the steel cannons are fired three thousand shots in a single afternoon 
no damage to the barrel, no damage to the performance of the gun. All the European powers looked at that and were like, wow, that's unpractical. Really? Yeah. Because that was a that was a big thing with the cannons, especially during like Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, the is these barrels would, would yeah the barrels would overheat so much and they'd crack or they'd explode. Yeah. They had people pouring water on them and like. No, everyone looks at it as like, wow, that's cool. Don't want them though. Wow. Yeah, we got the best. Is- we got these <laughs> Molly pitches here. <laughs> and they come out with that water, and they just pour it on it. Sometimes yeah. they make a bath. We don't want to get rid of you, the pitcher, girls. Sometimes yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. You know, because when they pour the water, it makes it steamy, and then we whip our penises out. <laughs> and then we got to guess whose penises we can it, see. So it's a game. We don't want to get rid of do this without the steam. You want to you take away the joy from our boys and the artillery? Come yeah. on. This keeps the spirits high, the penis game we've been playing, so, <laughs> so there's no way we're buying that thing keeping cool. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part about this is he sent either this gun or an identical gun to the Russians and was like, don't you want to buy my gun? Uh, the czar sees it. He's like, all right, let's go. We'll test it out. They do a similar test. Not a, like no problem firing all these shots in a single afternoon. And they all go, wow, that thing's a freak of nature. Put it in a museum. <laughs> Russians well, are, put it in the museum. Russians well, are retarded, we, we, man. We, we, touched, we touched retarded. on the, yeah, we touched on this on the London episode. Not very smart, those They're, Russians. <laughs> I, I can't. The country that would eventually, like the czar, got overthrown because his country was not ready for war, and we wonder why. <laughs> when yeah, right? he is like, wow, that cannon that is performing better than any piece of machinery has ever performed before. Must be a freak of nature. Put it in a museum. Don't order more of them. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, this is the museum of good boys that we found. These are all the best boy things we have found. <laughs> this is this is what happens when collectibles. Like this is why loot crate uh, yeah. boxes exist. It's yeah. because people think there's something valuable yeah. beyond the the practical use of any object. This is why NFTs exist. <laughs> NFTs yeah, but Tom- have more merit. Than guys taking an actual weapon and storing <laughs> and it away. Yeah. At Tom, least what? the D, like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not getting into NFT shit. I don't want to get into that because it's, it's strange. I don't fully understand it. I like crypto, uh, but this, this yeah, but is Tom, a primo example. Yeah, T- Tom, what if the Funko organization is actually pulling the wool over your eyes because they're all chunks of uranium that you could make nuclear bombs with, but everyone's just like. We're going to keep it on our shelf because it's cool Spooderman. Well, then then the fucking weird people who are way too into Twitch have way more power than Russia does because they right. are loaded with them. Well, it's the right to bear Funko. That is our <laughs> 69th Amendment. Is that part of it? The second. Yeah. The, well, most Funko Pops have arms. So the right to bear arms. <laughs> the right to bear arms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey. Some All of them right. are just blob things. <laughs> What Alfred did have, as I've said before, railroads were the key to any steel firm at this point. That was where they were like, all right, we got. if you can't make good railroad parts, you're going to go out of business. Now, it's easy to make springs and axles and rails. It was very simple. Cast them, melt them out, send them away. The real trick uh, for all steel firms at this time were the wheels. They're called the tires, but if you picture a rail car, it's the wheels. Yeah. Uh, the problem was um, no one could do a no weld wheel because it had to be, it has to have like that curve. It has to be a single piece of metal and it has to be perfectly uniform because if it's not, people are going to die because the trains aren't going to run. 
Alfred, this is where his genius comes in, into focus. He comes up with a method of using centrifuges and, la- and a lathe to create the first ever no-weld railroad wheel. And in 1853, begins mass production on these. He has the patents in every country. So this is when the Krupp firm takes off. Right. All because so of he, railroad wheels. Okay. He's been showing off this cannon. And everyone's like, oh, that's real cool. That's real cool. But now all the Carnegies and Vanderbilts are like, my dick is so hard for yeah. you right now, brother. Yeah, it was especially selling it to the U.S. That was his like probably his biggest customer. Yeah, because um, we're all about railroad. We love our choo-choos. There's those people yeah. that just look at choo-choos all day, and that's how they get off. And yeah. they also look at – they draw pictures of centaurs. I don't want you making fun of autism like the way you have been recently on the show. It's really disturbing. So you, you don't have any heart, do you? Some people just like to look at trains. I don't get them. <laughs> I, I, love, maybe I love the train TikTok guy. I, I have a cousin who likes to look at trains, Okay. <laughs> Mike loves looking at you. Mike loves. That's why. He's That's not where here. he is right now. Yeah, he's looking at. He's sitting at the Long Island Railroad, looking at all the trains. Uh, That's why he's always skating under the train station. It's like, what are you doing today, Mike? I'm skate down to the train station. Look at him, chooch. Look at him, choochies. <laughs> Three sixty so, choo choo. The the Krupp firm is selling fifteen thousand of these wheels a year. Uh, they would continue to sell fifteen to like probably thirty thousand a year for decades. Awesome. So much so that later in life, Alfred would make the Krupp firm symbol, three interlocking wheels, uh, and everyone else who didn't know about the wheel thing thought it was three interlocking gun barrels, but it was actually the railroad wheels because that's like what oh. saved the firm. Okay. And the Krupp firm, which still exists today, still has that as their logo: three interlocking wheels. Right, that's kind of like one of those little tidbits when people are like, uh, BMW is a pl- propeller. And you're yeah. like, no, it's not. Sales so Mercedes. Yeah. What are those? I don't even know. Propellers. They're both yeah, they're propellers? supposed to be propellers. Yeah. yeah. I thought um, they were just German. No, they were producing the Luftwaffe's airplanes. <laughs> yeah, they were bombing London. I, l- I thought they just liked symmetrical shapes, the Germans. I mean, that too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because design the, the is Krupp, one thing, The Krupp you know? one is also symmetrical. It's like a, it's a very cool logo. Um, anyway, so yeah, the wheels, that's how the company is going to make all their money, and it's going to fuel the arms production that's soon to come. Uh, the only place he's struggling to sell the wheels is actually, weirdly, in his home of Prussia, uh, because he had snubbed the Prussian Minister of Commerce, August von der Heidt, and for suspecting him of es- corporate espionage. But what that led to is that he didn't get the patent renewals that he needed to like really just crush the market with these wheels. But he got a stroke of good fortune in October of 1858 because his good pal Wilhelm is now the regent king of Prussia taking over for his invalid brother. Good. Wilhelm overrules von Heidt, gives um, Alfred the patent renewal that he needs, and cites the fact that Alfred hasn't been selling guns to any other countries, so I want to reward him. This is ignoring the fact that he had started selling guns to Egypt. He's selling guns to Egypt? Yeah. Well, to shoot the aliens down. They're they're taking over all the space with pyramids. We need this space to look at our sand. And he'd only sold like two or three cannon to Egypt, but it was still his first sales. Mm. Um, And he's basically at the point where he's going to give up on the arms production. Tom, and what are these Egyptians going to do to fight the aliens with these guns? Come on. Come on. It's they, got mind, they got mind things they can do to you. 
Not if you're not if you're smelling horse manure. Well, I'm just saying that the ancient aliens have the body of a horse and the torso of a man. <laughs> the centaurs did build all the pyramids, as yeah. we've discovered, discovered during this episode. Why do you think they're shaped like that? Because horse can't climb up stairs. Because they're so smart they can and climb fast. up a slope. I, I, I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> Connor, why don't you continue? But Travis, hold that thought. Maybe we'll keep that yeah. going at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it's the 1850s, and Prussia, we'll do a little Prussian politics right now, is starting to like gear up for some big moves. Wilhelm is a capable leader, He's and he has a good friend by the name of Otto von Bismarck, who's going to be his right-hand man. Busy Bismarcky! Now, it's important to remember what the wider world thought of Prussia and Germany at this time, because we have two world wars, the Cold War and the late 19th century to think of. And techno. And techno, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Scooter. Because mm-hmm. at the time, everyone was like, you know, it's England, it's Russia, it's France, kind of Italy, and Germany's just a backwater. Ig- ignore it. Who gives a shit? Doesn't need to be mentioned. Uh, oh, yeah, Austria was a superpower. A, a, a tune. Uh, I guess what you're trying to say is that there was a sentiment that we would never utter now, which is Germany. They could do no harm. They can do no <laughs> harm. Right. They're just nice, peaceful farmers. Uh, right. Even the Germans those. now are like who are <laughs> who are begging for forgiveness uh, to they the bank. They to the banks exclusively. Yeah. They are. No one would utter that no, there, no. even as a joke. We can utter that here because we have the First Amendment, right? And we have fun. <laughs> they don't have fun. Yeah. So oh, look at the little Germans. <laughs> See, we can do that all day. We'll never get uh, any kind of reprimanding for making fun of Germans. Yeah. We just can't. It's impossible. Yeah, but I'm saying that's not the first thing that comes to your brain when you think of you don't think of the right. We could do no harm. I think of that because I forgive. Right. Yeah. Now, no one at the time could have guessed that within the next 30 years, all the weird German states would become the superpower on the continent. It would be like if right now a new or not right now, if like in the next 30 years, a country, a superpower formed out of like the soup that is like the Central African nation states. Yeah, that's, that's isn't that Wakalanda? What Wakjawanda? Wakanda. Yeah, that's a Marvel Wakanda. state. Actually. It would be like if all of Germany <laughs> or all of Africa like unified into one superpower and was and conquered half of the world in thirty years. Do you mean that's kind of like what is about to happen to Germany? The the, the Marvel ethno state. <laughs> yes, the Marvel oh. ethno state. Oh. Of yeah. the Marvel verse, they did. Mark I mean, Ruffalo well, at their head. It's them, not I. I don't. I don't like. It. Is that wait? Is that bad guy? Is that before? I'm not thinking about my future history right now. Is that before or after they cha- changed the Sahara to Tatooine? That is the before. name of it. Just okay, that is before. Okay. Yeah. Because you got to sure. get the white money there first. Oh, okay. You yeah. got to bring it back. Then bring the gold. Yeah. And then. When, when, it's, when it's okay to call those people sand people or Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, then, it's, then it's okay. Then it's Tatooine. Yeah, Actually, but that's very... in the future. It's not racist in the future after Marvel says it's okay. Yeah. I need to be very well, clear to every okay. listener that this yeah. is, none of the terms we're using are not without the bounds of uh, Marvel and, and yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. And, these are all terms that I would never use these freely without a trademark. Reference. They're making a Latino, Latina Snow White, Latinx Whoa! Snow White. So come on, all right, stop They're it. Progressive, stop it, stop it. Ridiculous. 
<laughs> they are ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So Prussia, like I said, backwater. No one cares about it except for, you know, Wilhelm. He was like, no, no, no. We're going to be the superpower nation that I believe we can be. Finally, his brother dies. Now he's full king, not the regent. He's got all the power. And like I said, Alfred was just at the point of, he was about to give up on creating, doing massive uh, arms manufacturing because he saw there was no money in it. He was not making enough sales. When Wilhelm looks at him and goes, I need 206 pound guns. Here's a hundred thousand Thaler advance, and I'm also exempting all of your Krupp workers from mandatory military service because they're already doing enough work for our Great Reich. Oh, Pretty big deal. Great Reich. This is the second Reich. Number right. two, though. Yes. Not, the third, very, this, not the third. Not the third. We're not there yeah. yet. This so, is the well, so you mean we're talking hey. about good guys now? <laughs> <laughs> this is Super Mario Brothers two. <laughs> Right. Everyone ignores it, but uh, we should acknowledge it to some extent, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So Wilhelm uh, <laughs> does another tour of the factory. He's also, at the same time, pushing through a shit ton of military reforms, uh, expanding the size of the Prussian military, reforming the officer corps. And in Krupp, he is like, that's the guy that is going to supply the arms for my army. He just had, he recognized in Krupp, like, he's a mad genius and I know he's going to get the job done. Awesome. Uh, Alfred meets Otto von Bismarck at this time. They get along famously. They loved each other. They're like best buds. And this further brings Alfred into the royal circle. And it's these keys, uh, these royal connections are going to be key for Krupp for the rest of his life. Because for, to him, if, Russia's do, if Prussia is doing well, then Krupp will do well. And if Krupp does well, it'll bring Prussia up. It's, you know, it's like all boats rise in a rising tide type of thing. Gotcha. And he's like tying his fate to the Prussian state. Do you think the ro- do you think the like uh, royal and political people just kind of like just kind of tolerated him around? Like we have to like this guy, you know what I mean? I think some of them genuinely liked him because they didn't see the day to day craziness of him. Uh, okay, so he could suppress his craziness. Yeah, he a little he kind of like could turn it off if he needed to, and then. The more power he got, the less he did that, and the more they're like, wow, what a fucking weirdo we've brought into the world. <laughs> okay. The morning routine is where he became most violent yeah. in his retardation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're getting into the 1860s, and for those who know your history, you know that all big changes are coming in Germany. Uh, Alfred's ex- uh, experimenting with new designs, even though all of the military brass that he's interacting with are like, no, 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 we still want bronze, smooth bronze barrels, not rifled steel barrels. Mm. And he goes, I know you're not even accepting my primitive steel cannons. Now I'm going to make an advanced steel cannon. I'm making breech-loading cannons. Oh, For those shit. who know your military history, your military technology, that is a gigantic breakthrough. Before this was always the muzzle loading, which is you put a... You get a barrel, put a shit ton of gunpowder, shove it into the back, get a cannonball, shove it down, light it all on fire, and it shoots it out. He's oh. doing breech loading, which like is a like picture like a twin barrel shotgun, where you like put the cartridge in, fold the barrel up, shoot. Right. It's faster. It's a better gun, but everyone thought it was more dangerous because with bronze it would be, but not with steel. Right. Steel. Mm. That's the key to all this. Dang. So now he's selling guns. All of a sudden, the guns, they're flying off the assembly line. It's the early 1860s. Russia comes to their senses and becomes his biggest client. 
they're buying cannons like no one else. When you say guns, Connor, is he making other things besides cannons? No, all too? cannon, no small arms. Okay. All no small like arms. Okay. Six pound guns, twelve pound field guns, um, mountain guns, which are like designed to shoot high or low, uh, like at extreme angles. And this is the first time he is given a name that he will love so much that he basically turns it into an informal royal title. I will try to pronounce it in German as Der Kanonenkönig, the Cannon King. Oh, and this I is, will shoot so hard yeah. and long. <laughs> this is the mid-1860s. At this point, there is no denying that the Krupp uh, firm is going to be the dominant industry in all of uh, Prussia. Uh, he raises the old factory to completely rebuild it at like three times the size. Awesome. That little cottage that he had watched his father pass away and shrivel and die in, destroyed, but Alfred rebuilds it to the T. Or I don't think he even destroyed it. I think he just moved it, but preserved it completely because he's like, I want to remember my family's humble roots. Weird. And that humble. cottage is still, uh, a recreation of it still exists. Because the Allies bombed it to fucking hell in, in World War II. <laughs> the later, the Krupps that came after World War II rebuilt it. We must remake my great grandfather's house. Yeah. We will rebuild. Never I forget. So We're going to pause our story here where he has just been crowned the Cannon King because big changes are coming for all of Europe. And Alfred is going to be a major reason why. Uh, but just for, uh, as a quick rehash. Remember, he started with seven employees. Yes. He is now employing, I think, 5,000 uh, imp- men. And 5,000, what are they? Kruppenkardeers yeah, or something? Kruppenier. Kruppenier. So, yeah, from seven to 5,000 in about a 25-year span. Um, and now he's buying up coal mines all across Europe to because he wants to secure a future for his factory i guess gosh so that's where we're gonna pause it we'll be back with more horse shit man next <laughs> i love this guy he's a, i love he's this a guy he is fun he is the kind of guy who maybe is at a bar early in the day so he can get back to work oh yeah oh yeah yeah like uh, he you if you wander into a bar at 4 30 in the afternoon and he is sitting there Looking at the quick draw, <laughs> trying to calculate <laughs> what the digital monster is doing. Yeah, <laughs> he will never grasp that, but he knows back at the factory that he can be the king. He can be the Koenig. And the whole time he's looking at quick draw, he's writing off little memoranda. Yeah, <laughs> and little well, notes to his I know subordinates. That, that shape looks like a gun. That looks like uh, another gun. Yeah, it must be. What doesn't melt steel beams makes you stronger. Yeah, amen. Amen. Connor, thank you very much for bringing in this research. I'm I excited for it. Can't wait week. for part two. I can't wait to tell you guys about the house he's going to build. The it's House of Krups. The Villa Hugel. Yeah. So uh, his wife is, she's out of the picture pretty much for the rest of the. We're going to mention Bertha a few times, but it's mostly, like I said, Alfred running to her during his own fits of like losing his mind. And she is always just like real bummed to see him. And it's like, why are you here? <laughs> But she's she'll come around every time that he has to like put on the family front. It's like we're hosting the king of Prussia. You, you need to be home, and she'd be like, "Okay," right. or we're hosting the king of France or the king of Italy because his house is going to become where all the royals go to buy their cannon. 
Interesting. Mm. So okay. whenever they have to do that official duties, sh- she'll be around. Bertha, uh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> I told you to come over. Do not make yourself any more present than just being no, here. No, she would be yelling that at him because he loved her. He yeah. Said, Bertha, why don't you stay with me? And be, oh, she'd be like, yeah. Alfred, you smell like horse shit. All right. Not, <laughs> not be like, yeah, I, I, I know I smell like Alfred, horse shit. Alfred would make, he would make like little like uh, X's on the floor where she needs to stand just so like, and she'd be like, all right, I need I, to be I here for you. like Could five you minutes. stand here? Yeah. Also, yeah. why are several of my children black? Yeah. Also, honey, if you're going to yell at <laughs> me, here's the form letter I think you should fill out to yell at me. Yeah. Here's a, how are you feeling right now? Yeah. Here's a raw shock <laughs> chest for you. Can you describe words? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, that's, well, Alf. I'm so, that's that's the first part of Alf. Awesome. I'm so excited for next week. Yeah, so join us again next week when we get back into Alfred Krupp, the Canon Master. Uh, was it a der Konig, der Konen, Konig, Konig, right? Der Canon and Konig, der Konen and Konig. Here, that's that's a spelling. Der Konen and Konig. Ich liebe dich. Ich Danke liebe Shane. Danke Shane. <laughs> Danke Shane. You said all the German Auf Wiedersehen. Yeah. Danke Shane. Frausteia uh, <laughs> Deutsch. I don't know. Fraulein. Fraulein. Yeah. Yeah. Fraulein Deutscher, yeah. Do you like hamburger <laughs> sandwiches? Schlafen, yeah. this, is the, this is the section of roast mortem that's brought to you by Duolingo. <laughs> Yeah. Shiny danky. <laughs> Learn how to make fun of Germans on Duolingo. Yeah, thanks. Yes. Thank you, German people that listen to our show, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> danky shade. Thanks yeah. to anyone who's listening. Uh, go to socialmedia.com. That's what we're doing from now. I'm, I've condensed it. I don't know how to do those smart links that uh, Zwick did for us a while ago, so I'll do it verbally. Go to socialmedia.com to find us. <laughs> Beyond that, do it. thank you for listening. Connor, thanks again. Travis, love you. Good night. Thank you. See you guys next week. Hell yeah.